1 Corinthians 12. If you would, stand with me. We'll read two verses just to start out with here today. Well, we'll read down through verse 14. So we'll read 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. All together, I want you to do this with me because we need to do things together. And uh, too much uh, flying solo in our world. We need the church. Christian, you need the church. And so, I'm not saying that we have to read the Bible together to have a church, but it does help when we have that. Uh, we share together, and we do things together. We meet together. We fellowship together. So let's start by reading verse 12 down through verse 14 together. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Boy, the world is divided, isn't it? And so many people are divided against each other. We're fighting amongst ourselves as a society, and sad to say, even churches are biting and devouring one another. On social media, we, uh, we are very opinionated. And in places that we probably shouldn't be, we're very opinionated. And uh, we, I understand we need to stand for truth, amen? But there's a time that we need to realize, uh, coming together as a church, we need to love one another more than we criticize one another, amen? And uh, I thought I'd find some more unity on that, but we do need to love one another more than we criticize one another. And so one body, we're one in Christ. See, if we become more like Jesus, we'll find unity. See, the world needs to come to Jesus to find peace. Oh, we'll find peace by, uh, you know, coming together over, uh, you know, our common ancestors. Or we'll uh, come together over uh, a common need. We can rub your back, you can rub my back. You know, I've got oil, you've got uh, coal, you know, or whatever. We'll, we'll somehow come to some consensus and agreement. But I'm going to tell you right now that there's not going to be peace in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world until we find Jesus. See, we need Jesus. And so church, it's not about uniting behind personalities. It's not about uniting behind theology. It's uniting about Christ. When you unite behind Jesus, Jesus and the, the Jesus that the Bible says, okay? The Jesus of the Word. When you get behind Jesus, you will find unity. And so let's all do that today. Let's come together as a church, not because Pastor Hoover is an encouragement. I hope I am. And not just because you love coming here because of the atmosphere, and I hope it's a good atmosphere. I hope you're encouraged and edified. I hope you are uh, inspired when you come to church. It's not about the music or the choir or the preaching. It's not about any of that. It's about Jesus. And so when we come together in Christ, boy, we will find that unity that we need so much in this world. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. I ask that you'd help us to, to take these things to heart and study it and to study this out. May, it, may we apply it to our life. We, may we not just say, well, I wish I could do that or I wish 
Uh, others would do that. Help us, Lord, to realize that there is a calling on our life to be unified with the body, a church, to be a member, to be a part, to be, to be contributing, and to be uh, uh, receiving the help that we need. And, uh, Lord, to admit that we each have a need. We need church. Uh, no churches have hurt people. It's sad to know that. But I pray, Lord, that uh, because it is your plan, I pray that this church would be the help in this community that this community so desperately needs and that Christians would come here and find that help. Be encouraged. I pray that you bless your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one this morning, we have the same body. We have the same body. The Bible says, For as the body is one, hath many members, we are baptized also into one body. Verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit immerses us into the death of Jesus. The Holy Spirit immerses us into the death of Jesus. What does that mean? Because we're immersed or baptized into the death of Christ, um, we are counted by God as already having died in the body of Christ. Because of that, we do not have to face spiritual death. Our sins have been crucified with Christ. Amen? And number two, the Holy Spirit immerses us into the resurrection of Christ. Thank God that Jesus died, but thank God that he rose from the grave. And uh, uh, God counts us as already having been raised from the dead. We're already raised from the dead. And um, uh, because of that, we have already new life in Christ, abundant and eternal life. I love John Peterson's songs, New Life in Christ, abundant and free, what glories shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone, there's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, D.L. Moody said in his preaching, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher. That is all. Out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837. I was born in the spirit in 1856. At 19 years of age, D.L. Moody trusted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. He said, that which is born of flesh may die. That which is born of spirit will live forever. Because of the death of Christ, my sins have been crucified and they are buried. Praise God for that. But because of Jesus' life, because of the resurrection, I have eternal life. Praise God for that. It is a present possession. I'm so glad. Number three, the Holy Spirit immerses us or baptizes us. I like the word immerse because it gives a better description Baptism is up to uh, de uh, anyone's definition, I guess. You know, you could sprinkle, you could immerse, you could dip, who knows. But immerse is the biblical uh, understanding of baptism. We are immersed. We are buried. 
Uh, we are under that uh, deep water as John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, as uh, Philip baptized the Ethiopian, and in deep water. We are immersed into the body of Christ, into the purpose of Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit immerses us. Not only do we have uh, forgiveness of sins, and praise God for that, it's only by Jesus, not our good works, but we have forgiveness of sins in Christ, but we also have that new life in Christ, praise God, but we have a new purpose. See, we weren't raised to live for ourselves. We were raised to live for the Lord, and so I need some Christians here today that would get behind that statement. We're here to live for the Lord, amen? And so the Holy Spirit immerses us into the purpose of Jesus. God counts us in the body of Christ, working and carrying out the very same purpose as his son. And when we believe on the Lord, uh, when we believe on Jesus, we are, are immersed into the life of Christ. We are immersed into his purpose, and we should not be ashamed of the body of Christ. We are identifying with him when we get saved. And so we should carry on that identity. I am a Christian. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. We should not be ashamed. Uh, we heard last week about D.L. Moody and his contemptible speech and his uh, inability to, uh, to speak properly. And in England, the lady came up to him after he preached and she said, D.L. Moody, you should be ashamed of yourself the way you talk. And he said, I'm ashamed of some things. Yes, I'm ashamed of myself, but I will never be ashamed of Jesus, and neither should you. We need to be, uh, we need to be bold about our proclamation that we are a Christian, that we are a believer in Jesus. Oh, uh, letter B today. We are one body, yes, but we have many, many members. Paul is using the human body as a picture of Christ in his church. The human body is one person, one being, one life, yet it has many, many parts to it. Verse number 12, we see that last phrase. Uh, As the body has many members, yet being one body, we are one body. The last phrase there in verse 12, so also is Christ. The body of Christ. Um, He is one person, one being, one life, yet he has many members. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it not therefore not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Uh, Then we see that uh, we are parts of the body of Christ. We're one with Christ, but we are each a part of his body. We serve a purpose in this church. We serve a purpose in his plan in the world. But I will start by saying this morning that Jesus is the head of that body. Colossians 1.13, the Bible, or 1.18, the Bible says, and he is the head of the body. He is the head of the body. And if you're curious as to what body, he defines it. The body is the church, Colossians 1.18. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That means that Jesus should have first place in everything. Everything. You might be saying everything. Are you sure, Pastor? There's a few things that I want to do that I don't think that God has to approve of. No, my friend, everything that we do should be, uh, should be through 
the, uh, through the understanding that Christ is first. He is first place in everything. Uh, I want some volunteers, if I could have some of our teenagers come and help me with some things this morning. Some of you might be saying, what do I have to volunteer for before I volunteer? Well, you just come on up and you'll find out. So I could use a, about six or seven teenagers as quickly as possible. You come on up here. Don't be ashamed. Don't be worried. Um, I'm not going to put you... Uh, I'm not going to cut you in half or anything like that. Don't worry. This is not some magic show. Okay, you come on up here. Come stand together down here. I got two. Thank you. All right. Hey, come on, Dee Dee. Yeah, you come on up. We'll take, we'll take even non-teenagers now, okay? Young at heart. All those that are young at heart. I need three or four more. Three or four more. Where are the Burton girls? Are they in junior church? I was hoping they would be up here because I got one specially from. Oh, young at heart. More young at heart here. Very good. All right. So... I mean, since we're getting so many young at heart, I could use a few more. Maybe we'll just have a couple people volunteer to sit today. I don't know. We just have everyone else come up here. Thank you, Miss Elise. All right. I'm going to give you the eyes, all right? So we got the eyes. And honestly, I don't even know where we're going to go with this today. So you're, you're yeah, that's what I'm letting you know right now, now that you are up here. We've got the nose. We've got the hands. We've got the legs. All right? We've got the feet. I'm not going to forget about you down here. We've got the feet. All right? And we've got the, uh, the mouth here, all right? Now let's see what else we got. Who's got the feet? Since I don't have any more volunteers, I'll give... I'll, oh, I saw legs over here. See, we got, we got things all spread out, and that's my fault. But that's okay. We'll give her the toes as well, all right? That's the one I was saving for Maya Burton, since she, she always jokes about people's toes, all right? And arms. What about arms? We got hands, so we'll give you arms. There we go. And I'm going to give you one more. Are you talented enough to hold three? Can I give you the elbows, all right? You might need to use your elbows to hold those up, all right? And then who's got the eyes? I've got, I want to get a little more specific. We've got eyelashes and eyebrows. Maybe Miss Sister Kathy can help you with that too, all right? Eyelashes and eyebrows. And I appreciate you guys doing that. Now, that's not a complete body. We didn't have all of the parts here, so I just wanted to start with a few of them. But I'm thankful for the eyes. Sometimes we don't think about our eyes. Sometimes we don't think about even more specifically our eyebrows, our eyebrows protect our eyes from moisture and light. They help us express emotions. Have you ever seen anyone that has been grilling around the uh, Memorial Day or the Fourth of July or Labor Day and uh, somehow their eyebrows disappeared because of, uh, you know, got singed off from the grill? That happened once uh, to my dad. And uh, so appreciate him. And, uh, but uh, he... He got his eyebrows singed. Not all the way off, praise the Lord for that. But some people, you know, if you've had that happen, especially the gas grill, you know, oh, it's not lighting. Let me throw a little more lighter fluid on that thing. Poof. And, uh, and people look kind of funny when they're missing their eyebrows, right? And, uh, but they help us express emotion. Uh, our eyelashes, our eyelashes are the first line of defense for your eyes. They keep the dirt and the dust and the lint from reaching uh, your eyes. And uh, they are like human whiskers, like on a dog or a cat, right? Because they act as sensors for objects coming close to the eye. And uh, I remember asking my dad, why in the world does our dog have a mustache? You know, what is wrong with this dog? He's got whiskers. And he said, don't, do, don't cut his whiskers off now. Don't cut his whiskers off. He needs those. And um, our, 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 <laughs> we don't have whiskers. Our eyelashes, right? And uh, some of you ladies, you know, uh, spend some time on the makeup and different things and, and those eyelashes. I've seen some real interesting eyelashes before, some <laughs> fake ones. And, but um, your eyelashes trigger a reflex to protect 
uh, and cause you to blink, you know, something coming towards your eye. And praise God for those things, those insignificant things that we don't even think about sometimes, right? Our ears, our ears, praise God to be able to hear, amen? Our nose and our hands, our feet and our toes. Who's got toes? Here, you got the toes? Who's got the toes? Over here. All right, Sister Ellie. Uh, yes. And um, Sister Elise, I'm sorry. She's got the toes, right? The toes. And uh, I remember um, uh, maybe last year, Sister Maya, I think she's down in junior church this morning. And her and, uh, her and uh, I think, uh, well, I think it was just Maya. She was commenting on, on somebody's toes. She's like, ooh, you know, the toes are gross. And she's like, have, and she, my wife told me that she said, she's like, have you seen pastor's toes? It's so gross. And I'm like, when in the world has she ever seen my toes? <laughs> I still don't know how that ever happened. But this week, my wife was uh, uh, doing discipleship with, um, with uh, Maya and Ella at our house. And I just happened to be there. I'm getting over this cold or whatever it is. And uh, I was, you know, taking my time that morning. And I heard them down there. You know, usually I try to get out of the house before they all come over. You know, I was ready to go. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait till I get downstairs to put my socks on, my socks and shoes. I'm just going to sit at the bottom of the stairs and, uh, at my house and put my, sh- my socks on. Because Ella is, or uh, Maya is here. And I know she was commenting about my toes. And I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I, I tiptoed down the stairs. And I got down to the bottom, and uh, all I heard was a shriek and a scream from the other room, my wife, and they were all in there. Like, oh, pastor's toes! And I was like, exactly the reaction I was looking for. So uh, this morning, I was hoping that uh, Maya was going to be up here to do this, but she'll have to hear about it later. And so anyways, our toes help bear the weight of our body when we walk. They provide balance and support while we are walking and running. Now, we don't like to look at our feet or our toes, but you'd have difficulty getting here today without your feet. Amen? It'd be a little bit harder to get here. You could, you'd still be here, but it'd be a little bit harder. But I praise God for all the parts that we don't even think about, that we don't think are that important. Verse 18, the Bible says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. There are some people that we wonder, what in the world uh, does God have for me to do? What am I supposed to be doing in this church? I'm insignificant. I'm not that spiritual. I've only been saved for three hours. What in the world does God want me to do? But I'm telling you right now, if you're saved, God has given you a gift, and he's put you in the body. He's given you a place in a church, and you have a role to fulfill. Praise God for that. I'll let you all sit down. If you want to keep those, you can. Give them a hand. Thank you. But each member... You don't want to keep that as a souvenir? You sure you don't want to keep it? All right, he wants to keep one. Huh? You don't want to hold on to it. I mean, you don't want to keep the toes. Are you? Go ahead. Maybe you could uh, color or something, put some paint on those toes or whatever, you know. All right. So each member, letter C, each member serves a vital purpose in the body. Some members of the body don't seem necessary, but they are very necessary. When was the last time you ever said, Lord, thank you for my liver. Thank you, Lord, for my liver. Bless God for my wonderful spleen. Now, you don't say those things until your spleen or your liver start to act up. And then you start to think about those parts 
that you've never seen before. Amen. Sometimes we don't think that our toes or our fingernails or our eyelashes are that important. Just like the body of Christ, sometimes there's people that we don't, we don't know why they're, what their significance is, what their role is. Sometimes we don't know what our role is. But everyone serves a purpose. Sometimes we don't know what somebody's role is because they're not doing what they should be doing as part of the problem. But everyone has a purpose. And it's upon us to figure out, God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing today? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week, next year. God, what is it that you want me to do today? And it's a day-by-day thing. Because sometimes our purpose changes. A job might change. You go live somewhere else. Unforeseen circumstances put you in a different church. And sometimes you carry on that same purpose in the next church. But our goal and our responsibility is to ask God, what is it that you want me to do today? What is it that I'm called to do right now in this moment? Uh, And remember, we all serve a vital purpose. Verse 19, the Bible says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet one, but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part, part which lacked. Everybody's important. Do you know why God made us all different? Why did God make us different? So that we could become one. So none of us could function apart from one another. We shouldn't be in competition with one another, nor should we be in isolation of one another. We need the church. You need the body of Christ, and the body needs you. Every member is vital. Ask yourself this question. Who unlocked the door here this morning? Who uh, is taking care of the, uh, the nursery this morning? Who's teaching junior church this morning? Who's taking care of the, the, uh, the, 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 the thermostat and making sure the heat's on? Who's taking care of paying the bills? Who's taking care of uh, collecting the offering? Who's running the sound? Who's doing uh, the lunch today? And a lot of those things are inconsequential for us. We don't need to know every single detail. But the point is, somebody's taking care of those things. Now, we know who's preaching and we know who's singing. We know uh, some of those people that are up front. But sometimes we forget that there's other parts of the church. There's other members who are taking care of even our worship service, and every person is vital. Sometimes people think, well, I'm not that important. The church can do without me today. My friend, we need every one of you. By the way, some people uh, are here today. Their purpose today is for you to have somebody to minister to. And... For some of you, your purpose 
is to just be a listening ear or just to be a blessing or just to be that smile or just to help fill up the church so other people feel like, well, I'm the only one that comes here anymore. So they don't have that feeling that we all are, 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 we have that camaraderie where we know that there's more than just us in this world that's trying to go the right direction. And so all of us serve a vital part to this body called Souls Harbor. Your feet don't stay at home when you go to work, do they? Now, some of you might say, well, I wish I could leave some of me at home and only part of me go to work. Sometimes we wish you could be in two places at once. But the reality is, when I go to work, hopefully all of me goes to work. Sometimes we leave our brain somewhere else, okay? <laughs> Have you ever checked out while driving? That's kind of scary. Like, how in the world did I get? I don't remember driving over here. <laughs> and uh, you know, sometimes we just go on uh, you know, autopilot. But the reality is, it doesn't matter where you are, you are there, okay? <laughs> Wherever you are, there you are. And so all of us goes to work, in the morning. You don't give your arm the day off. Some church members think that they aren't needed and that they aren't vital. That's just like leaving uh, your brain at home or some part of you at home. A healthy family should come together for a meal once in a while, amen? And that meal should be more than just taking in nourishment. It should be a time of sharing and communicating, bonding and drawing closer. You know why we're having some of the problems we're having in this world? It's because the nuclear family is breaking down. And by the way, you might have a mom and a dad and children. All the parts are there, but there's no communication. You should have a rule. Turn your cell phone off when you come to the table. You should not allow for your children to be a thousand miles away when you need to be engaging them. By the way, the reason kids are doing the things that they're doing is because they're not feeling comfortable enough to come and talk to you and ask you those questions. So they go on Google or they go and ask a friend and they're being influenced by all of the corruption that's in this society. And so you need to leave those, those levels, those uh, channels of communication open so that they feel comfortable to come and talk to you. And you should be proactive in that relationship. Don't think, well, somehow they'll figure it out. They're going to figure it out, but you don't want them to hear it from someone else. You don't want them to know about the facts of life from Jimmy down the street or from Barbara at school who thinks she's a man. You don't want them to learn the facts of life from some forum on the internet or from TikTok. All of those things are important. May we, may we stress communication in our homes, in our churches. Amen? We need to know one another rather than just know one another's face or name. Uh, dinner time or other times, uh, times of sharing and communicating. I understand some of your work schedules are difficult, but as much as you can, uh, know your children. Know your children. Let them know you. Uh, everyone should be present. Everyone engaged. Work for that. Demand it. A healthy church shouldn't just come together to eat spiritually once in a while. Uh, Christian, you shouldn't be drifting in and out, coming to church only when you're compelled to, or when it's Christmas or Easter, or if you're in dire straits. 
Or maybe you just need some inspiration. Now I'm going to show up at church. You know what that kind of mentality is? That's a consumer mentality where I'm going to go for myself. For when I need it, that's when I'm going to go. That is wrong. Biblically, it's wrong. The church is for your spiritual well-being, but have you considered the role you play in meeting other people's needs? And I was sad that some church members don't know others. They don't know each other's names. And there's some people, by the way, in our church that are so involved in ministry, they're here all the time, but they're so engaged and involved in some things, they're busy, that they're not having that opportunity to get to know one another. Be proactive. If that's you, be proactive. Work. If it means that you uh, give up one ministry just so you can eat lunch or get to know somebody, spread your personality around, be a blessing to others. You, you don't believe the devil's eyes that somehow uh, you don't need to be uh, there with others and, and they, they're not going to get anything from you and you don't have anything to contribute uh, in the fellowship. Oh, yes, you do. You are a vital part of this uh, organization. And not just in the administrative role, not just keeping the cogs uh, moving. It's not about the machine. It's ministry. We're working with people, amen? And um, church should be more than that, more than a machine. Um, it shouldn't, the church shouldn't just be a gas station that you fill up at when you need some fuel. And uh, by the way, when I go to the gas station, you know, I'm a little more extroverted, maybe in some ways, but I'm not even going to start up too many conversations with people at the next pump, okay? I keep to myself. You don't know who they are. And, um, you know, I like to even pay at the pump because I don't want to go in. That's where they get you. You know, that's where they, you know, that's where they, they charge you the $4 waters, you know, and all those types of things and the $3 bubble gum. But I like to just pay at the pump, get my business done and go. Once in a while, I'll treat myself to a nice tea in there, you know, or something. But my, my wife, and I'm not going to be unkind to her, but a few years ago, we had a, it was last year, we had a little, or two years ago, we had a little car accident and um, we were getting it worked on. We were getting some bids and things going to the body shop and somebody, she was pumping gas after church on a Sunday. She's all dressed up. And somebody said, hey, I could fix that car for you. And, uh, and she said, well, let me give you my husband's phone number. I said, oh, man. But, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful nothing happened to her. But, man, this was a real hustler. And, uh, you know, so I don't like to talk to people sometimes at the gas station. You, know, you never know when you're going to get hustled, you know, by somebody. You never know when the panhandler's going to come walking up. And uh, I was uh, working on some cameras over at Alpha Women's Center on Lisbon. And I had the window rolled up because I saw somebody coming up for, you know, for the handouts. And, you know, I don't necessarily like to be hustled. So I keep to myself at the gas station. But, and other people don't like to be hustled either. That's why we don't talk to one another sometimes. But gas station, yeah, you, you pull up, you pay at the pump, you get what you're doing there, and you get going. But that's not the church. The church should be the central hub for your family. It is the glue that connects all of the loose ends of life. It should be your spiritual gas station as well as your spiritual convenience store and your spiritual restaurant, your grocery store, your spiritual school, your spiritual gym, 
your spiritual clinic or hospital, your spiritual bank where you make an uh, eternal investments. It should be your spiritual home. It should be the place where the uh, kids know, hey, we're going to church and I love going to church. This is, this is the place where I feel safe. This is where I feel loved. And we want to foster that kind of environment around here. That's why I don't like drama. That's why I don't like cliques. That's why I don't like little factions, uh, people uh, you know, separating from one another. That's garbage. See, the body of Christ should be together. Amen? And so uh, we should feel that this is a place where we're loved. Where we're loved. And by the way, when you love people, you're going to attract a lot of interesting people. Okay? Everyone's thinking, just say amen. You know, sometimes we get some strange people walk through the door, you know? And uh, we love people. We love all people. We love every person. I don't care if your hair is, uh, you know, turquoise or whatever. And uh, I don't care if you haven't bathed in a month. I mean, we'll, we'll tell you about Jesus and hopefully get you a, a place where you can get a shower. Amen? But the thing is, Homeless people, people that the rest of society looks down on, people that aren't accepted everywhere else, if they know a church is a loving church and is doing something in the community, guess what? We're going to attract some people that are not necessarily, necessarily desirous, desirable. The unlovely people. But guess what? God loves the unlovely people. Jesus died for them too. Amen. He loves them just as much as he loves me. So I'm thankful for that kind of a church, and I want this church to be that kind of a church. So not only should we have the same, we are the same body, we have the same body, but we should have the same love. Verse number 25, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same Now get this next word. Let's say it together, verse 25. The same care one for another. Can you say that with me? We should have the same care. Okay, now say it like you actually heard me ask you to say it, okay? Here we go, ready? That we should have the same care one for another. You know how many times that phrase is used in Scripture? Enough times, if it's once, it's enough, but enough times for us to realize there is something significant about the phrase one another. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Galatians 6.2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Me first, right? Me first. Me first. Others first. Others first. First Thessalonians 5.11 Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. First Thessalonians, or I'm sorry, James 5.16 Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Galatians 5, 15, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. We don't want that. 
We don't want an environment where people feel that they're going to be bitten and devoured and attacked. Look, we're called to judge righteously, amen? But a, a hypocritical spirit of judgment is not of God. The Bible, Jesus warns us to not deal with the beam or the, the mote in somebody else's eye without dealing with the beam in our own eye. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Hebrews 3, 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 1 John 1, 7, but if you walk in the light as he, in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. 1 Peter 5, 14, and I'll end with this one. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Holy kiss, right? Uh, never mind. Um, some people say, I don't want that uh, holy kiss stuff here at church, okay? I understand it's a different culture maybe, but the point is, the spirit is that we should love one another. Love one another. We should have the same love. He says there in verse 25, that the members should have the same care one for another. We're in the same body, so I can never say that I don't need you. You might be saying, I don't like that person very much. Maybe, maybe, God put them in this body and put you in this church so that you can learn to forgive. Or you can learn to be long-suffering. Or you can learn to love someone who's unlovely. All of us need work. We all need to grow. There's not one person that can say that they are perfect in any area. So I'm not up here saying, I've got it together and you need to do it like me. No. And I don't even want to say, I understand we are a loving church. I said that last week. This is a loving church. Praise God for that. I think that's one of the marks uh, that, that people identify with Souls Harbor. They say that, that is a, a loving church. But it wouldn't take long for us to slip into selfishness and to slip into hypocrisy or pride and into elitism. Sometimes churches change when they move. I've seen that happen. Sometimes churches change when they uh, get a new pastor, the whole spirit and dynamic of that church changes because the focus changes. Our focus is not to become a great name or to become some large church, to have some, uh, some testimony where people in the community just somehow uh, look up to us, but we should be the light of Christ and that, if we're the light of Christ, that should be enough. That this church would just be an old lighthouse. Praise God, that's what we need more of. We don't need more mega churches or more gurus or more uh, celebrity preachers. We need more pastors and churches that love their community. So I can't say I don't need you because you're part of the body. There shouldn't be arrogance or envy in the body. 
I don't need to try to get ahead of you. We're not in competition. By the way, I want you to win too. (laughs) And so there can be no self-sufficiency where I try to operate without you and try to uh, somehow uh, live without uh, certain people. Everybody serves a purpose. And I'm telling you right now, you need to figure out what it is that God wants you to do today and get involved. Don't be afraid to make a long-term commitment either. Because if God directs you for something today, until the Lord comes back, that may just be what God wants you to do for the rest of your life. So uh, if you are not a member of a good Bible-preaching church, if you've not become engaged and and, and, um, plugged in to a church, God says you need to be in a church. It's part of his calling on your life for this age. And so, no self-sufficiency, no disunity. Um, We're part of the same body. I think of that song, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As to War. And it goes like, all one body, we. All one body, we. One in hope and doctrine. One in charity. Verse number 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Have you ever hit your thumb with a hammer? You ever done that before? (laughs) How many of you are not ashamed to admit it? Raise your hand. If you have a hand left (laughs) or a thumb left, (laughs) raise your thumb if you've had your thumb hit before. I mean, you've, you've hit your hand or your thumb with a hammer before. I always said I hit the wrong nail, right? And, uh, especially when I was a kid, man, trying to hit a nail. And, not, and we grew up around building programs, and my job was always to remove the nails from the boards because we reused everything, amen? And uh, if, it was, if it was a board that was pulled off of something, we were going to pull the nails and keep it and reuse it. And so I have hit my thumb many times with the hammer. And when you hit your thumb with the hammer, by the way, your thumb doesn't just sit over there and, 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 and complain and say, boy, that really hurt. Your whole body comes to your thumb's aid, man. You, you get your hand over there and your hand grabs your thumb and you say, oh, man, that hurt. Your, your mouth gets engaged and somehow, somehow, some way, you begin to do that dance, you know, and your knees get engaged. Now, what in the world do knees have to do with thumbs? Nothing other than it's part of my body. And so when one member of the church is hurting, all of the members should come to that, church, that member's aid with legitimate needs. Now, so there's some people that can become, uh, you know, a, uh, just a drain on the church. God gives us wisdom to know where to help, okay? And you should have the maturity to not be somebody that's a drain. Be a fountain, okay, not the drain of the church. But I'm telling you, when somebody is hurting and there's a legitimate need, we come together because that's God's calling on our life. First, uh, number 26, whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. One member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Amen? And because we have care one for another, that's what God intended the church to be. We share our sorrows. When we share our, our sorrows, then our sorrows are divided. When we share our joys, when we come together and we give praises, uh, it's always interesting on Thursday night, we get through all the prayer requests, 
then, I, then somebody always would say, can I give a praise? I said, there is no ban on praises in this church, amen? And when somebody says, I have a praise, when, there's, when, when one member shares their joy, uh, all of the happiness is multiplied, amen? Our joys are multiplied when we share our blessings. And so loyalty, loyalty to Jesus, verse number 27. Now you are one body in Christ and members in particular. There's one body, and when we're loyal to Jesus, we need to be loyal to his body. You cannot love Jesus. Jesus and uh, without loving what Jesus loves God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and when he died on the cross he died for the church and he loves the church he gave his body for it and so we need to be loyal to his bride our conclusion today is we need to accept where God put us accept where God put us now you may not be the the shoulder this morning that bears the burdens that might not be what God called you to do but you could be the listening ear amen you could you will fulfill something except where God put you be yourself don't try to be somebody else don't try to fulfill uh, a, a need that God didn't call you to fulfill or equip you to fulfill be yourself uh, give yourself Give yourself. Nobody should be selfish in the church. Every part of the body should be uh, giving. The heart gives. The lungs give. They, uh, uh, the, uh, the liver gives. And you have to give. We need to also work together. Work together. Work together. Be here. Be here. Don't, don't say, well, you know, they don't need me. Work together. Be here for prayer meeting. Pray together. Uh, serve together. Don't just come to be served. Come to be a servant. Amen? And by the way, when you serve one another, guess who gets blessed? Others. And by the way, you get a blessing too. And God always blesses uh, me uh, in the ways that I need blessings when I give to others. And when we work together, do you know who will be seen? When it's not just about us. When we work together, who's going to be seen when we're the body of Christ? Jesus is who's glorified. Jesus is seen. I love Ron Hamilton's song, I Saw Jesus in You. Does Jesus receive glory in this church? Are we unifying? Are we coming together? Is the world seeing just another 501c3, as they would call us, you know, a nonprofit organization? Oh, just another religious institution. Ah, just a bunch of just a bunch of hypocrites over there. Hey, they could call us whatever they want, but you know what? In their heart, do they know the truth? Are we exhibiting what God has called us to be? One body. Is Jesus seen? So when we come together, Jesus is seen because Jesus lives in this body called Souls Harbor. I pray this morning, Father, that you would bless this time of invitation. I pray for those that are not saved, that they would come to receive Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray for the Christian that we would, uh, Lord, be dedicated, not a wall spiritually or away from the body. Help us, Lord, to be present, to be engaged, to know our brothers and sisters in the way that you want us to know them. 
to be concerned for them, to not gossip about them, to not criticize wrongly, hypocritically. Lord, when there's a need for admonishment, you've called us to admonish. There's a need to judge once in a while, deal with things. We handle problems in the most spiritual way that we can biblically. Lord, help us, God, to not be hurtful and unkind to our brothers and sisters. God, I pray that you would show us where we need to grow in these areas. Thank you so much, Lord, for a church that does, I believe this is a loving church, but help us to keep keep our feet close to the fire. Keep our heart uh, soft towards the needs of, of, of those in our community. Lord, we don't condone sin, but we love the sinner. Help us to have that kind of spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would stand to your feet, I'd love for you to come and pray with me.